0: Alright, welcome back to Positively Midwest. This is episode 8, and I've got uh, our good friend, I'm in Minneapolis, we just went to a concert, me and my buddy Gordo last night, for Motion City Soundtrack, and that was pretty exciting. Uh, we hadn't seen them in like 12 years, and the last time we saw them actually was uh, um, our oldest daughter it was 7-8 months old and like dislocated her elbow, and um, I remember Catherine was going to go with us, and then she couldn't make it because that happened, but um ended up when the doctor like moved her arm it basically just popped itself back into place. So anyways crazy memory over that band and um they've they've been uh good at through different mo- emotional times, you know, they say that music ties you to different emotions and memories and so there's a lot of good ones there. But uh so I am here with our good friend um Weston Schick. Right?
1: Yeah, man? Right.
0: Yes. I don't know why I'd, I didn't know how to say that earlier for some reason, but I don't think ever I'd really ask or talk well, about we've all it. We've only
1: been friends for like four years or something, so you know you got to pass. Thank you. <laughs> four years, God, that seems like
0: that went kind of quickly, but it feels like I've also known you for a long time too.
1: Yeah, time is a is a weird thing. <laughs> yep,
0: it's very unique. especially
1: in our in our old age, it's getting a little a uh, little harder to gauge. I think. Does
0: it feel like it slows down for you?
1: Uh, no, the
0: opposite. Goes faster. Yeah. I
1: know, time's flying by. <laughs>
0: yep. Especially <laughs> when you're having fun, right? That's it. Um. So you are in the, um a band, John Wayne and the Pan. Yes. And uh, um, a solo project with John Wayne, Johnny Wayne. Yep.
1: And what else do you have
0: cooking in your life right now?
1: That's, that's really it as far as the out performing. I mean, I do have some other irons in the fire, but they're, uh. not going to jinx anything so i'm not going to talk about it yep um you also work at a guitar retailer yes i do
0: get to do fun stuff with that i bet i do it's uh it's the perfect part-time gig for for a guy like me (laughs) good um well the the i guess the podcast itself i want it to be you know something where maybe somebody has gone through some stuff and then they talk about how they stay positive now and you know what it uh what that means for them, different practices they use. Um, We talked about some stuff this morning. And uh, um, why don't you give us just a quick little background of where you're from and, you know,
1: touch on some stuff when you grew up. Sure. Give us a little story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I'm from uh, central North Dakota. I grew up in Mandan. Um, You know, I had a really normal childhood. Everything was great. I had loving parents. They're both together, no broken home kind of situation. I was super, super blessed in that. I mean, I had, uh, you know, everything that I needed, most of what I wanted. I mean, it was it was pretty wonderful. And then I guess maybe, too, I'll, I'll preface before I get into the story a little bit about... Uh, so I, I am an alcoholic. Um, I haven't had a drink since February 10th, 2018. So just a little over two years. So um so that that being said, I do have some uh, some dark things that I kind of went through, and then I had a lot of help getting out, and my life today is more than I could have really wished for. I mean honestly, they kind of uh I've heard it said before that when you start making life changes, you know because something isn't how you want it or isn't going super well for you. I mean, typically, the kind of things that you want out of your life are pretty short-sighted. So if you would, like, write a list of, you know, if if my life was just like this, I would be happy. And typically, you sell yourself short with that. Once you start making these positive changes to change your life and do better for yourself and the people around you that you care about and love, you'll get that, what you wanted, and so much more. So, anyway, that, that being said, I'll kind of... uh Tell you about, maybe a little about my life and some some good stuff and some not so good stuff that kind of led me to where I am today. Sure. So, uh, like I said, super normal childhood, um, you know, riding bikes and building forts and having sleepovers and all that good stuff. School was always something that was pretty easy for me, luckily. Um blessed in that respect the uh the one thing that I could say that kind of maybe led me to make the decisions that I made kind of later on was I uh I never felt satisfied with stuff I was always a person that put unjust pressure on myself like my parents weren't pushing me to get the good grades to be really good in sports to I mean I'm a musician so I was in band class and everything too like getting 100s on my scales tests and all this kind of stuff and practicing now an hour every day. I mean, that they didn't ask that of me, but for some reason I felt like it was my duty or whatever. I don't, I don't know if you're into the whole science of like a birth order thing, me being the oldest and the firstborn kind of a thing, or maybe that in combination with being a Capricorn, you know, January, early January birthday, those are typically hard work and stall work kind of people. Maybe it's just being a Midwesterner. I mean, I don't know. combination of all three that just made me a, a workaholic kind of freak and pressure kind of thing. And so I never felt good enough, never felt satisfied, never felt like I was doing the right things that I was supposed to be doing. So that being said, I also took on way more than I could handle and, and really digest a lot of time. So when that stuff got really hard, burn it all to the ground, run away. Um, I felt like uh, drinking and using drugs kind of put me at ease quite a bit. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't feel those anxieties, and I didn't worry about what was coming up or what I needed to do next or worry about the plans or something. So that was something that really made me kind of feel all right. When was, like, the, the first time you
0: can remember maybe being drunk? Because I think in the Midwest it's probably a high school. Um, rite of passage almost, you know, in a lot of these communities to go out with your buddies and, you know, start that trend, you know, party partying.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, I, well, I remember the first time I got drunk just like it was yesterday because it was, it was like the answer. It was what I was, what I was kind of missing. I could, I wasn't so worried about what other people thought for a moment and I wasn't worried about what I had coming on down the pipes, but I was, uh, it was the summer before my senior year of high school. So a little little later than most other people, but kind of being said, I was a, I was a band and science nerd and, and academic, and didn't really feel like that fit into my plan or the the model of what a what kind of stipulations I put on what I wanted to be when I grew up, kind sure. of thing. But it was uh, it, it it was amazing. But even then, I didn't drink normally. The first time I got drunk, I drank a six pack of Budweiser Pounders and an entire pint of Blackberry Brandy. Oh jeez. So I mean, it was like. Yeah, and I didn't puke either. I mean, it was, I remember most of it, it was, I was already from the beginning, like a not normal social drinker, I mean, and that never really changed for me.
0: Yeah, I can say, I think you, generally, I was always, you start with a few drinks, and then, and then once you get that buzz, you just can't stop, and you keep going, then you want to do it more and more, and I think, like, I had my first cigarette when I was 10, so I know that's probably very abnormal, and then. First time I got drunk, I think I was 14-ish at a New Year's party. So, small town USA, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can feel. It. And I mean, I think too, being where we, where oh. we live and our, in our parents. I remember. I mean, we always had alcohol around at parties, and I mean, it was it's it's a very normal thing, kind of where we are. And I don't think that the addiction aspect is really talked about enough or given enough um, leeway because I mean in all honesty it is I mean a sickness in in a, in a sense it's alcohol does for some people a completely different thing than it does for other people and people that aren't alcoholics won't really understand just like people that aren't diabetic aren't going to know what it feels like to have low blood sugar or have something weird that's they don't get the same feeling from alcohol as an alcoholic does so they don't won't ever understand what that feels like to not be able to stop or to want it so bad, even though, you know, it's the very thing that's making your life terrible. Like, I mean, it's it's really, really weird. And I mean, it's easy to the, the stuff that's different about like cancer or diabetes or something like that is it doesn't adversely affect the people that you care about the most. That's why it's I mean, well, I mean, it does if you're if you're sick and you're not there for people and if you are and, and don't live. I mean, those, yes, that that stuff is hard for people, but it doesn't feel like this person is intentionally harming you or not caring about you. So, I mean, typically alcoholics, they have more wreckage in their family than other people with other, other sicknesses or something, because it it affects everybody around you. And because of that, what makes it kind of, kind of nasty, and it's hard for people to forgive and, and understand and have empathy for, for somebody that's hurting them, like that's, it's a very tough thing to to learn or or to try to deal with. And I mean, that's, that's a big part of kind of, you know, not only just recovering, but also being able to get on with, with, and really enjoy your life. It's not letting resentments or things that other people may do to you kind of ruin, ruin your day. I mean, it's, even, even little things, you can equate it to something as little as like road range or whatever. Being like getting upset about a person cutting you off or some guy that's driving 10 miles under the speed limit. So i just just trying to be a little empathetic and just be like well, that person may have a, a cake that they just baked that's in the back of their vehicle and they want to go 10 miles over because they don't want to mess up this beautiful thing that they spent 10 hours making. You know, it's like we don't really know what's going on with them and I mean it's is our day messed up before I, oh i'm going to be late for something well that's really my fault that i didn't leave 10 minutes earlier to prepare for situations like that it's not this person that's trying to give a cake to their somebody that they love yep. or something i mean it little things like that where it's easy to push blame on other people and get upset and for for those those kind of things but having some type of empathy and trying to put yourself in their shoes is what's going to really really make make days go by a little bit better and i think that that's something with with addiction and, and any other hard hardship that you're kind of facing in life that it's it makes it a little bit more manageable to try to get through and, and live, live each day to the most potential it can kind of have if you're not letting those type of things ruin your day
0: yeah the uh, last interview um, well one of the last ones I did um, this uh, gal had talked about um, she was addicted to prescription pain pills and stemming from a surgery and just kept building over like eight years Mm -hmm. and got worse and worse so one thing that she touched on I thought was really interesting especially dealing with some alcoholism and in my family when I was growing up and and so on is that when you talk about being a sickness that it it changes their psychology you know like your your mindset and your brain changes to where you would do something obviously wouldn't normally do if you're drunk you know but um but even doing stuff when you're sober because you're just clouded and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you justify, um, maybe what you did last night that you're remembering and you're like, well, I had a tough day or I had this going on in my life at the time or, or whatever. And, um, you know, I can remember a lot of justification, you know, and a lot of apologies and and things like that, but you kind of just keep rolling because either get, you know, messed up again or you
1: justify it. Well, yeah the, yeah, the tricky thing about that justification is, I mean, it's it's the one sickness where it's like what you're allergic to is both the cure and the thing that's killing you. Because, like, the things that you kind of want from alcohol are, like, you want to feel at ease and kind of at peace. You don't want to have these anxieties kind of happening. You you want to be able to, to, to live with the things that you're on. Those are, those are all things that you get when you stop drinking as well. Which which is really weird, you know. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but the being a sickness of both. I mean, the body, depending on how progressed your your addiction is, you know, where you physically need that kind of stuff. It's of the mind because it is so easy for you to justify things that are happening. That's it's it's like a thing where I like I knew in the back of my head that I had a problem with drugs and alcohol for many many years, but there would be like a couple of instances that I would use to, you know, just, Oh, I'm not alcoholics. Like, you know, I'm I'm paying my bills. I mean, most of them kind of, (laughs) it's like, I'm, I'm not homeless. I'm I'm not drinking out of a paper bag underneath the bridge, you know, all these stereotypes. It's like, I have these 10 traits of an alcoholic, but I don't have these two. So I mustn't be an alcoholic. Right. You know, I'm not looking at the big picture because I wanted to justify keep drinking. And then the other thing too with it, that's a little, I mean aside from being a sickness of the body and a sickness of the mind is i mean really it's a sickness of kind of the the soul a little bit too that you need to try to try to fix because there's something that isn't really there for you for for most alcoholics and most drug addicts i've found like there's something you're just not really really happy with like a piece of the puzzle that's missing that alcohol kind of filled so trying to find out how to to work through that is the, the main thing that's been helpful and there's there's plenty of programs out there available for people, whether it's a 12-step program, whether it's meeting with psychiatrists, whether it's doing stuff with your church and off in your community. I mean, all of those things are extremely helpful and there there is stuff available out there. I mean, it really doesn't take more than a quick Google search to find some stuff around you. And I mean, there are plenty of stuff, stuff in place, um, but I <clears> lost <throat> oh, my train of thought where I was going with that. But, <laughs> well, yeah. um, so, you know,
0: you started, uh, we, were, we were talking, you started drinking, you know, when you're a senior, about to be a senior, and then, I mean, I'm sure you weren't an alcoholic right away. You just kind of ramp it up with the drinking, but is there any certain situations that you feel uh, propelled you into, like, f- full alcoholism, you know,
1: or... Yes, yes, and no, and that actually brought me back to what I was trying to get to, which is amazing that that was the question that was asked. <laughs> right. So... You kind of talked about how your last guest was saying how oh, it completely it, it progressed over time, which is very, very common, especially with prescription drugs and the opioid crisis that's happening in our country at this exact time. Um, the, there's another um, train of or another school of thought too that is some people were maybe born alcoholics but didn't find alcohol until later. I feel like I was one of those varieties in particular where I always felt uneasy and on edge and like I needed to do all these things all the time. I was really neurotic. I felt all these, and I, as soon as I found alcohol, I was like, oh, that's the piece of the puzzle that was kind of missing. And I do feel like I was an alcoholic from the beginning because even the first time I drank wasn't normal and from there. And that's the, um, kind of ties into earlier when you are saying how the, I didn't, I had these 10 traits of an alcoholic, but I didn't have these two. The other thing that I would do as far as justifying things were even though I didn't want to drink and I meant wholeheartedly all those times that I told my loved ones and my family that I wanted to quit and I meant it because I really, really did. That wasn't just a a fleeting statement to get the heat off my back. I meant it, but I physically couldn't. And the ways that your mind kind of tricks you into doing those things is like, like, let's say you're a gambling, man, you're playing dice or something like that. It's like. Of the 500 times that I went out drinking, I couldn't stop at just two beers. You know, I would end up getting blacked out. But the two times that I actually could do that, I was still grasping on like I had a control over this, even though that's like 0.5% odds. Like, I still thought that I could do that. Like, that's the way that you kind of justify things. I mean, even though that was completely not the case, but I mean, I wanted it. Um, and then like, so like you were, so I always kind of felt like I was an alcoholic to begin with but okay. just finding that later. But that doesn't mean that there weren't circumstances in my life that totally exacerbated kind of what was happening where I did use that for a crutch. I mean, um, in 2006, my brother shot himself. So that was like, he, yeah, my younger brother, two years younger than me. Um, he and I were very, very close. It was after my first year away at college. So I wasn't home very much that year. I, uh, I hadn't really seen a whole whole bunch of him. I mean, we'd hang out when it's happened my parents' house, but I was living on, on campus, and it was a it was kind of a thing, just kind of growing up. Um, but just being away that last year, but I I had a lot of you know pain. I had a lot of uh, resentment. I had a lot of guilt. Um, really wishing that I could have been there, could have changed things, could have. I mean, the last words I said to him were "Stop being a little bitch," and it was something that broke like hurt me many, many years. I mean, it it took me a while to find some peace in that. I mean, he, he, he had a girlfriend that was breaking up with him or something like that. And I was having a conversation with him about how, you know, you're going to college next year. There's, there's more fish in the sea. You're going to meet tons and tons of, of people in your life. Like stop being a little bitch. It's going to be fine everything but that was the last thing and I, and I ran out the door i mean a few days later he wasn't there anymore i thought for a very long time that was kind of a tipping point kind of thing i, I did find like maybe a month or two later that he had recorded a secret video on my cell phone of him telling me that he loved me he doesn't know he's recording this, so it was almost like a goodbye kind of letter. so i mean he had already been planning it for months it wasn't that thing that i said that did something i mean it wasn't he was mainly just waiting, oh, girlfriend broke up with me. Okay, I guess this is a good time. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, that's kind of the thing with, you know, social disorders or depression or anything like that. I mean, you know, maybe he was an alcoholic too. I mean, we have alcoholics in my family. I mean, you just didn't have a solution like I had found. I mean, a temporary solution. I mean, it worked for a while until it didn't work for me, but I mean, those are all those things that you kind of want having that security having that sense of peace and then it stops giving it to you and you need to find another solution like recovery and changing your life and doing the things that taking care of the things that want make you want to drink or want to use so i mean after that i I mean i did kind of go down a go down a dark hole for for quite a while and then i mean i ruined lots of relationships lost lots of jobs dropped out of college never finished i yeah, I was just kind of kind of floating along, like always kind of doing just enough to make people not think that I was a piece of shit. Yeah. But th- those relationships are very short-lived. They didn't... was in and out of people's lives. And didn't really stick around long enough for them to kind of see through some of the lies that I was telling, or, I mean, the, I would inflate this picture of kind of who I was, but nobody really knew, like, on the inside, like, what was going on. I, I think that that's very common of people in general, not even just alcoholics, but just people in general, which is is, is really hard. That was something that somebody told me right away in my recovery was that it's going to be very difficult on, on anybody's road to feel good about themselves when you're comparing to other people because you're always going to lose. The only thing you see from another person is what they want you to see. So you see their success, you see whatever or their happiness or whatever the face, whether you see their pictures on social media, whether you see what they kind of talk about at a, a get-together that you week, like after church or something, you kind of talk what's going on in their lives or holidays or what, whatever, whenever you see kind of people. I mean, you don't see the dark stuff that's happening. You don't see what it took for them to get to where they are. You don't get to see the kind of things that keep them up at night. And you know all of that stuff about you, so you're going to be in a losing battle all the time. Yep. I mean, it's not really going to be one of those things that you're going to be able to, to win.
0: Bella came and said hi to us while we are recording um, his puppy. So that was cute. She was whining for some attention for us. Um, anyway, that was funny.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm a sweet girl. She's a border collie, Australian shepherd. She needs some love. She's really, uh, she's really attentiony. Yeah, she's cute. She slept
0: with Gordo last night, all night, and he said that she was the best cuddle partner. She just kept scooching up and keeping him warm all night, so... Yeah,
1: she does that. Uh... She's a good alarm clock, too. Oh. It's a good, good way to wake up my morning. She, uh, jump up and down on me, and... <laughs> I mean, I try to roll over, and she'll dig her nose in underneath my arm and just breathe on me. Yep. Right in my face, and it's all right, I'm up. <laughs> So
0: um so then you started to go down this dark path if you will and um just like briefly throughout this time frame did you you know you had mentioned that you said you told your family and friends I really do want to stop um but did you ever go to um like therapy or rehab throughout um the time before you came sober yep
1: yep I did a couple different times um I didn't really give it a chance in any of those times because I didn't in my heart really want to quit or think that I had a problem, which was the thing. I thought I could still beat it, you know, I didn't really think that I needed to ask for help. Um, I did go to therapy a couple of different times, mainly to work through some stuff that happened with my brother. Um, I did try some different medications, some different antidepressants and stuff like that. I didn't give them a fair shake though, I was I was still drinking the entire time, so it's not like they're going to work the way that they're supposed to. You know, I lied to my therapist, I lied to my doctors about the amount that I actually used. So, I mean, none of that. was I, was, I wasn't giving it a fair shake. Um, there, I also didn't really like the way that the antidepressants made me feel. Granted, mainly I wasn't giving them the right shot, but I also think, too, that I actually don't have depression, per se. Sure. I mean, I have bouts of like anxiety and I have neurotic tendencies as a person that lead me into situations that could kind of be like that. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like I have a chemical imbalance Like as a, as a person. I mean, it, it showed up that way for sure because of situations that were happening in my life, but those were mainly because of decisions that I was making and not being a healthy immune. And I, I fully, fully believe that there are, are instances where that's completely necessary, where there is a scientific explanation for the way that people feel. I just don't feel like that was me. And um, yeah, not being a doctor or medical professional, I mean, I can't say one way or the other. But I mean, if that is a situation that a person is dealing with, I really feel like they need to give it a wholehearted shot and really do what the doctors are saying or your therapist is saying. And I mean, and if you can't really stop using, try to do try to get into some type of program or therapy. I mean, I did do yeah two other stints of um, of rehab kind of things. I mean, I, I didn't, I did them to kind of get the heat off, but mainly because they were court ordered, because I would, because uh, I got a couple of DUIs and a couple other things I was on house arrest for a while. I mean, that was the longest that I've been sober in 10 years was when I was on house arrest for two months. But I mean, it had an ankle monitor where I couldn't drink. Wow. But aside from, aside from that, I mean, I, I never really gave it a fair, fair shot. So I don't think it really, really counted.
0: Yeah, I know mixing them is not a, a good idea. I remember in sometime in my early 20s, and uh, I was on Lexapro. Me too. Yeah, and uh, some panic attack pills. Um, so I'm not even, I can't quite remember how the conversation went with the doctor, but, you know, I think I went in, my wife and I were having the troubles anyways, and, you know, and we were also newlyweds, so it was just a crazy time. You know, we got, we hooked up when we were 16, so it's like we've grown up together, so it just... A crazy, crazy marriage, but really fun at the same time, too. So, But at that time frame, anyways, um, I was drinking, partying like any 20-some-year-old in Midwest would and popping those Lexapro and and then, like, uh, those panic attack pills. And uh, that was one of two times that I have fallen down my basement stairs and sprained one or both of my ankles. I can't remember which one is which, but I've (laughs) sprained them, like, four or five times in my life, so... Um, so that really resonated with me when you said, giving it a fair chance, like, I also don't feel like, um, I, I was clinically depressed if you will, but I went through depression eras, if that yeah. makes sense. Totally. Um, you know, there was even before some of this self-help and wanting to just change everything in a positive way, you know, a year or so ago, I was wondering, you know, like if I was doing everything right and if I was happy and being a good dad and a husband and kind of getting down on myself and with the work was becoming real because the, the newness of a new job was wearing off and it was like work, you know, okay. You got to go sell stuff and make money and commission only. So anyways, that's when I, about eight months ago or so I decided to go to therapy for the first time. Um, on my own, I had to go as a child multiple times. Um, mediators when there was a custody battle mm-hmm. or kind of like that. But, uh, so I just wanted to interject real quick and talk about the one little story about myself and then mm-hmm. that the therapy, um, is a good route. If you are against prescription drugs or you, um, have tried them and didn't think they worked right, um, the therapy, it's nice to sometimes even get validation for it's okay to have this bad thought, if you will, you know, um, or, Whatever it might be, it's good to get validation, but they also do put you in your place sometimes and get you in this um thinking differently, you just start unlocking different ways of thought processes so at the same time, I was reading these self help books and stuff too, which all kind of come together and and so on so
1: yeah um, that that's the thing with therapy that I mean is kind of super super helpful with um having person mediator there but and just talking about but the other thing too like like you said is sometimes we're just not gonna feel good and And sometimes it lasts a while i mean i think that i mean uh, unfortunately it's a very common thing in our society to try to get the things done the easy way everything else is pretty easy it's easy to get information with i mean you're one type of way on your cell phone now. I mm-hmm. mean, through as, as internet, getting a hold of people is easy. Fine. I mean, transportation for the most part. I mean, you can, it is very easy to get. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff, but there are some some things that there's no easy way around. I mean, just just taking a pill isn't going to make you feel better. Even those depressants sometimes take take weeks, months to figure out your right dosage, all your kind of stuff to get you where it's supposed to be. It takes it takes work. And the other thing is. Yeah, we are supposed to feel bad sometimes. Those make the really good times seem good, too. I mean, it's in, in my search for kind of understanding about how I'm supposed to feel about things. I mean, someone told me once that like, like in, like in the Buddhist faith, per se. Like, Again, we were kind of talking about this last night a little bit, Steve. Mm-hmm. Was that the Buddhist monks, they like pray for pain in their life. Which, I, when I read that, I thought it was just, like, insanity. Yeah. You know? I mean, but the reason is because that in working through that pain, they know at the other side of it they're going to have a spiritual awakening. You know, they're going to have a greater appreciation for life. They're going to have a great appreciation for the things around them. They're going to gain an understanding and an empathy for the world that they never understood before because they didn't go through those things. I mean, that was, I, I mean, I was having a conversation with my mother kind of about about my, my path in particular, and she's like, Well, no, you ever, you ever want to just go back and you know, would you change things? You know, do something different? And I mean, after thinking on it for a moment, I was like, actually, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff that I regret, you know, I really hurt some people. I did some really stupid things. But it led me to the exact moment that I am today. You know, if they didn't shake out exactly how they did, I might still be drinking, I might still be out there. The world is not as safe. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I really could have hurt somebody else or myself or, I mean, it, it, things could have been a lot worse. And the other thing, too, I mean, going through those tough times and making those mistakes, they gave me a more of an understanding of myself and they gave me an opportunity to be empathetic towards other people's situations in a new way that I didn't have before. Like it puts me in a unique position to be helpful to people that are suffering in a same, similar manner. And I mean, without... That, having that that little bit of of light and that understanding that I have now, I think my life would be very different. And I wouldn't want that. I really like the life that I have now because of those things. I mean, those all make a a person. We all have a different journey on a different timeline. I mean, it's not... I mean, it's uniquely ours to have. So, I mean, whether good stuff or bad stuff that's happened, I mean, you're yours. I mean, you've got to... Whole life of fresh mistakes to be made and new lessons to be learned. And I mean, just hopefully with a little luck, you don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, I like Mm -hmm. that. I, uh,
0: this is an interesting question because what I really, really enjoy about doing this, these podcasts is, uh, um, a lot of times they're just, we talk about them being raw and I'm just responding to, you know, what you are talking about and I'm learning with you and, growing with these guests, if you will, Um, I'd like to maybe start calling them partners because really we're all partners in trying to make this thing, you know, work for other people and inspire others. But my question is, do you feel now um, on the other side of the situation, if you can touch on briefly, do you feel like you have a calling now in a sense to help uh, others that maybe are going down this path or have or stay on the good side or... You ever feel that kind of sense of in, well, to inspire? Ab- absolutely.
1: Um, because it's well, th- that's mainly part of the. I mean, I, I went through a 12 step program, was kind of what helps me. And just to kind of briefly touch on that, I mean, that's it's more, I mean, uh, uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of stipulations and a lot of assumptions about what that is for a lot of people. And I mean, I had those reservations too. That's, that's whatever. I mean, I just encourage somebody to give it a shot. And I mean, it's, it's really not as much of what you, it's not exactly what I thought it was either, but that beside the point the the real purpose behind them is to make you understand yourself a little bit more for you to be okay with the things that are going on in your life. And then because it never really says in any of the, the literature, don't drink, don't use a drug. Sure. Don't do whatever your, your vice is. What it's doing is eliminating the, helping you eliminate the reasons and the feelings why you would do these things. I mean, that's it at the end of the day is kind of, it, it's almost like a, like a handbook that I didn't of like how to live your life that I missed mm-hmm. somehow. And so part of that, is giving a lot of giving. I mean that that's one thing to get outside yourself because I mean it's it's kind of a selfish disease. And I mean so getting outside of yourself, you know, being helpful to other people is one of the best ways that you can feel good about yourself. I mean the other big aspect of it is like, you know, there was somebody there for me when I needed help. There was somebody that reached out their hand and was like, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to take you through a couple of these things, I'm going to listen. I'm going to give you some advice that you won't be able to see because I'm all cloudy from, from using and everything like that. It's like, there, like I heard somebody say one time that it's not, like, like it is completely impossible for a mind, no matter how smart or whatever that it may be, it's impossible for that mind to solve a problem that it created. But that same mind created. And it's like all of my best thinking, my best ideas, and my planning, and my trying to do right by whatever I needed to get my life led me down a path of misery where it's like, I need to change something in my life. I need help. I need some guidance because I don't know what else to do. And this and person. Somebody was there for me.
0: So they, they rec- like, were close in your life and recognized that this path was going to be trouble where was this person ever dealt with addiction too in their yes. past? So you think that they recognized the patterns and, you know, like, well, I'm afraid something really bad is going to happen. Um, if, if I don't step in,
1: no, it was more, I, I asked. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I asked because I didn't have any, and then they showed me like a couple of things. And I mean, so that's, and that's part of their recovery too is to be helpful for somebody else.
0: Sure. But not, I mean to
1: give that uh, stuff away. The the thing with that is uh, yes, you can you can make suggestions. You can really but just showing people that there's a path with your actions more than your words is more okay. important and more powerful. I mean cuz really with especially with the addiction thing it's like like we we're kind of saying about how it justifying things and put I mean you can you can be really resentful towards a person that's trying to be helpful to you saying that this isn't any of your business be like no I still got it. I mean in, until you're really to the point where you don't know what else to do and you're asking for for help is really when it's gonna be the most efficient
0: what was maybe the the catalyst that made you then ask for help because I'd have to just speculate it was pretty important or it shook you yeah, or Yeah, i have been trying to,
1: uh, I mean, my stuff was just falling apart. And I mean, I had been, couldn't hold it together. I mean, it had been years and years and years in the making. I mean, the uh, I, I tried to stop last, like, maybe a week. And then I was on, like, another bender for a couple months just spending a whole bunch of money doing all, I mean, it's not just alcohol for me, all kinds of other drugs. I mean, it would ruin my, in my life. I mean, I would, uh, but, I mean, kind of the, last changing point was like i mean I'll, I'll be drinking every morning when i woke up and everything before i would even go out going to work that kind of a thing i was uh supposed to go into work later in the afternoon and woke up had my couple of drinks or whatever had, had like an hour or two to kill something before i had to go on so i was gonna go go to a bar and just you know tie on a couple more i ended up waking in the hospital up in the hospital that night like it, it blacked out by like two in the afternoon i was apparently walking around downtown in february and Minnesota, Minneapolis, and don't know how I got into the hospital, but they yeah they let me out at like 10 or 11 p.m. or something like that. I lost my wallet, lost my phone, had some cash in my pocket somehow. Got out of the hospital downtown. Didn't really know what I, I hadn't lived here very long, so I didn't know what bus to take or what, whatever, how to really get home. Couldn't call my girlfriend or whatever. I mean, I could have figured it out, but I mean that was my oh I can't call her, no not have a phone. Yeah, but I knew where a bar was. It was close there, so I went to the bar, taking my ER bracelets off at the bar, ordering shots of rumplemints again. I mean, I got blacked out two times in one day. I mean, like w- within minutes of getting out of the hospital, I was taking shots again. I mean, it was just like completely, I was a maniac. You know I mean? And the next morning, like, I mean, I didn't, didn't make it home that night, went to a friend's house, um, but I, uh, that next morning there was a weird feeling that i had i didn't know what to call it later but i mean i kind of in in like a 12-step program we kind of call it like a like there's numerous like white light moments or like feelings that kind of happen um when just kind of things that you can't explain it's just a way it's a label to put on something that you can't really explain like like i kind of call it the ways of the universe like you know scientific give and take stuff all the time i mean if you negative stuff always brings up a positive they attract and so i mean if if you if you take energy from something it's always replaced by something else or energy is always changing states it's it's in in that respect but any anyway stuff you can't explain We kind of say like white like i knew that i wasn't going to take another drink the next morning it was weird like i had a weight off my chest that was always there every morning when i woke up and i was just like yeah, I'm over this. I'm not gonna, I didn't know what to call it at the time. I called up a friend that I knew was involved in a, in recovery and hadn't had a drink for many years. And I was like, Hey man, I need some help. And then right after that conversation, I was, I was asked to move out of my place that I was living in. And I went and stayed with him for a couple of days. And then there was just like kind of a, a freak chain of events. Those first couple months were really tough. I had a lot of stuff outside of my control kind of happen, but I had support from some people and some of these programs and good friends that were, you know, there there for me, helping me make a change in my life. And I mean, I really couldn't have done it and gotten through stuff without them. But then, yeah, within that first year, I was that like there's there's something to to be said, which is kind of. I mean, it kind of ties into what we were talking about, how, you know, there's good feelings, you're going to feel good, and you're going to feel bad sometimes. I mean, that's just how it is, is that when wh- whether you're a religious person or a spiritual person or not, I mean, you don't get stuff for free. Just like you, just like, I mean, it's just like I'm not going to take this pill and I'm going to immediately feel better. There's work to be done. You gotta You got to find the right dosage with that pill. You probably still need to talk to some type of, Uh, whether you're talking to your priest or another another person or um, a therapist or something like there's stuff that you're going to have to work through to get the life that you want because anything that's substantial isn't going to happen overnight that's kind of the same thing like i i I, like i wanted to be strong i wanted to be able to So, so i'm not just strong all of a sudden i'm given i'm presented with situations to become strong i'm presented with Like if I want to be a more patient person, I don't want to get so angry and resentful towards people. I'm going to have some very impatient, very tough to deal with kind of people put in front of me in my life. So I'm given the opportunity to practice patience. I mean, that's it. That's just what's going to happen. I mean, if you ask for these things, you will get them. But it's typically not in the way that you want. Just like when people talk about pray, I mean, be careful what you wish for. Yep. like you might get it but it's not exactly how you want but the funny thing about that is until you look back on it it might be exactly what you need it might be very hard in the moment but it's like wow that's exactly like i needed that to happen but i couldn't see it at the time and so i look back and I'd be like well if that hadn't happened i wouldn't have learned how to do this it wouldn't have, i mean if i hadn't lost that job i wouldn't have found this dream job you know it was terrible for a moment but i might still be stuck in that thing i mean There's lots of these moments that seem really, really tough, but just know that it's always impermanent. You know, this pain that you're in is impermanent. Like, you will feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you let yourself feel better. Yeah. You can let some things go. If you can just doing the next right thing, like being helpful to another person that you care about, even the littlest thing will make you feel better. And you can, you got another chance to do it tomorrow. Right
0: well i I like that' cause, uh one thing I've noticed with doing these episodes and doing research and articles and things like that is there's a lot of uh people who are um have not yet started the the process of changing or becoming positive or whatever that means for you um they don't self analyze i guess is my um the phrase I wanted to get into so people that that are going through these changes they self analyze a lot and they go back and reflect and pay gratitude, you know, and things like that, where if if you're, you know, not to that point in your life, that's one thing is denial, you know, a lot of denial and, um, oh, I didn't do that, or I wouldn't go that far, or I'm not that bad, or what I said wasn't that terrible, you know, again, with some justification there too, but a lot of denial where you start to self-help or go to therapy or, you know, whatever's Mm -hmm. helping fix you in a sense, Um, is that, uh, when you reflect, um, you really realize, you know, what's, um, like, oh, I wonder if I could have handled that just a little bit differently or, and each time it gets a little better and a little better. And they're like baby steps into this big picture where now all of a sudden that dude cuts you off or someone at work is rude to you or whatever. And you can just kind of pump your brakes and say, well, in your head, you know, like, well, whatever, I guess, I mean, it's not worth it because this could happen or that could happen. You know, it could snowball if you start to yeah. do that stuff. So, anyways, I just that resonated with me for the self-analytical
1: part. Well, yeah, that, that's a thing that's really hard for anybody, and that's why it is helpful to have a third party. Like I was saying, it's not, like it's impossible for a brain to solve the same problem that it created. It's also really, really hard for people to examine themselves in a situation, mainly because it has emotions tied to it. So it's kind of nice to have that third party, whether it be like a very close friend or a clergy member or a therapist or something like that, who's not involved in that situation. So like when you kind of tell them things or situations that happen or stuff that you're resentful for, things that hurt you in the past, they can look at it from an outside perspective and be like, well, they they can see things that you can't because they don't have the emotion kind of tied to it. They don't. I mean, they can be like, well, yeah, you still were kind of a dick. They're like, you did this part I mean, You weren't innocent yeah, maybe the repercussions that happened to you are a little worse, but you aren't... I mean, so as soon as you start taking a little bit of ownership like that, like you were saying, and seeing where you were kind of maybe part of the problem, you can start fixing the problem a little bit. Because, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a good thing about feeling better is knowing where your pitfalls are, you know? Like, I, like, like what makes me completely crazy in particular is, like I said, like getting too hard on myself, taking on more than I get to, like learning to say no, to some things i mean when i start getting too much stuff on my plate is when i get super anxious when i start getting short with people when i'm not living in the, in the, in the present just i mean my stuff will get done if i just keep doing a little bit more and just what right in front of me not planning out what's going to happen you know a month in advance um same thing with thinking of relationships with other people like I, I find myself in an argument for like three hours like before i have to have this conversation with somebody you know where it like And then I have this conversation with somebody and it's two minutes long in the three hours that I was like coming up with counter arguments and doing all this kind of stuff never even happened. It was like, I was getting worked up and anxious and upset about a situation that wasn't even real. (laughs) I mean, that was taking over my, I mean, and I think that's common with a lot of people, whether you're having a problem with a spouse or a loved one or a coworker or a boss that I'm not like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with this thing. But what if they say this? I mean, it's just like, I mean, the only thing that you can do is take take some action and then react based on what happens i mean yeah, you, you can plan some things but typically stuff isn't gonna go according to plan like ever
0: Yeah. so i mean rarely it's,
1: like, it's very rarely that that's gonna happen and i mean as soon as you're okay with that and can just make and as soon as you're like keeping your side of the street clean like being a good person and not like stepping on other people's toes and taking care of the people that you care about and yourself mm-hmm it's going to be fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you've,
0: uh, um, you've been sober now for a couple of years. Uh, I always like to, I want to make sure we can get you to work and all that good stuff. So, um, but you, um, what what do you do practice now to stay, stay positive? I'd even be interested in, you know, in keeping in touch with people that have gone through recovery. And if you go to meetings and, you know, if you meditate or pray or if you, uh, all that kind of nutshell of positivity for us.
1: Yep, I I meditate and I pray. And um, there's, you know, just try to be helpful to other people. So like, kind of like what my day looks like is, I, when I wake up in the morning, I'll make some coffee, make my bed, do a couple of little routine things that seem super mundane and kind of weird, but they, they just seem to be kind of kind of helpful, kind of getting some type of routine, because my life was chaos for for years, like always just like running, not having enough time to get to the, I mean, it's it's really weird how calming and, and easy to take on the day it is when some of your other stuff is in order in your life, when there isn't chaos and other things. So it seems arbitrary, but like just putting on clean clothes in the morning, making bed, some coffee, and then I... I do some meditating or some praying on a couple of things like a very short list of stuff that I want to do like if something was bothering me from the day before or so whether it's it's usually just one one big task and two really small little thing. like like just be nice to somebody today or do something nice for like a co-worker it could be like a really small one you know do something sweet for the person that I love partner mm-hmm. or something and <laughs> then some big thing like I need to call my tax guy or to the, go to the bank or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Just keep it small. And then when I'm meditating, sometimes it's being really still with myself. Just trying not to think anything and concentrating on, you know, breathing or feel how my feet feel on the floor. Or um, other times it's concentrating on, a, on an idea or a thought or like an intention. Or it kind of just really depends on what's kind of happening. And I mean, sometimes... Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, depending on how, how I'm feeling at that exact moment or what I've got stuff going on. I mean, sometimes, I mean, honestly, a lot I do it in the shower too. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just put on some hot water and I mean, it's like the sound of the water kind of running seems pretty, pretty calming and it's, it's warm. And I just think about any like insecurities or any other things kind of just washing over me off my back down the drain feel like any worries that i'm having or something like that like that's always been a very calming thing for me i like that there
0: there is a a, in the book manifest now that i read uh she actually has one of those it's called the waterfall technique and you're just supposed to stand there and kind of picture the the water of positivity uh just washing away all that negativity or anxiety or whatever mm -hmm. you're going through so I've, that's interesting, I've done that in the shower myself too yeah. and, and felt that way let me ask you this because I struggle with this sometimes uh, But so I'll, whether I'm going to pray or I'm going to just kind of close my eyes and maybe meditate if you'd call it that and, and try to think through stuff but then all of a sudden when I'm trying to clear my mind uh, like what feels like thousands of thoughts come flying in there and then I'm ping ponging it off of a whole bunch and it hasn't necessarily seemed to have gotten a whole lot easier so one Has that happened to you? Does it too? How do you deal with that
1: and try to clear it up a little? Absolutely. I think that happens to everybody. And I mean, really, uh, like anything, like, I mean, I I relate a lot of stuff to music because, I mean, that's kind of like what I do. But I mean, you aren't a good guitar player when you pick up the thing. I mean, it takes hours and hours of practice. The same thing is with meditation. I mean, getting your your mind clear and being okay and sitting with those spaces in between dots those spaces in between breaths and stuff. Um, I think concentrating on your physical world is a thing that can be very helpful. Concentrating on just one or two thoughts, and I mean just lots of repetition, just like like some of them, I, um, like I think about loved ones a lot. It's a very common recurring thing for me where I will just think about that person, just picture that person's face and then just try to picture other parts of their face like more in depth. Like, What do their eyes just look like? What are their nose? And just like really just focus for as long as I can on either one of those kind of parts. And I mean, just what does their voice sound like? What does their laugh sound like? That seems to be very, very helpful to, for me. I mean, cause then you can, I mean, just kind of shifting maybe to different parts all within the same idea or the same area, it seems to be Kind of nice, or or I'll just say like mantras, like that's another one too. Just keep repeating the same kind of phrase with every breath, like that helps me stay into it. I mean, so I mean there there's lots of lots of books. There's lots of apps out there now that are very nice for for meditation aids. I mean, whether you like to listen to a person speaking guided meditations, kind of help you stay stay focused in it. I mean, it's pretty hard to just sit in silence right out the gate and and kind of do that. I think that that's like it's like a level 10 kind of thing and when you're at a level one maybe get some get some help do some some abs kind of thing but it's it's a thing that just takes some practice cool and i mean switching it up makes it a little a little easier too nice i appreciate that
0: yeah so practice makes perfect yeah really really um well maybe i'll wrap this up so that we can skedaddle um so first off thank you very very much from the bottom of my heart for, for doing this, because it sure. sure means a lot, and, um, you know, since we've started this, we've had some real cool people do some interviews and agree to do it, and um, it's just just been amazing. So I think there's been a need for um, this positive, you know, attitude to be um, spread, you know, people are sick of seeing the politics and the negativity on Facebook, and they're, um, some people want to get their story out, you know, whether it was addiction or whether it was some kind of abuse or even if it's just, hey, I've had a pretty normal life and stuff pisses me off, but here's mm-hmm. what I do because I've never been crazy negative. So I always think that's interesting too. You don't always have to have gone through something. You just maybe know someone or, hey, my life's been pretty normal and I live a pretty positive
1: life and that's interesting too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's there's another thing to be said is we all have struggles all the time. No matter how, like we said, no matter how good it looks on the outside. But the other thing, too, is people are unique. We are different. You know, one person can feel just as bad about, you know, being like unfaithful to his wife as another person can feel bad because he forgot to tip a waitress. They can feel equal amounts of shame and guilt and it can hurt them just the same amount. Even though maybe to some people those are on completely different planets as far as what somebody should feel guilty about, that doesn't really matter because it's unique to that person. That's like the pain that a person feels. You know, it's like oh yeah, I broke up with somebody or I lost a loved one. Being like oh you should be over that by now, you know, two months? Yeah, you should go. I mean that's no. Everybody's got their own unique journey with that kind of thing. I mean, and I don't think that anybody should feel down on themselves about still feeling that way. That that's it. We're feeling people. I mean, we're all going to have it and we're all trying to get through this crazy stuff. This world. Just feeling a little bit better. And I mean, it's okay to ask for some help. It's okay to take for some guidance. It's okay to search and seek for things. Because I mean, life has a lot to offer. There's a lot to live. And I think sometimes we get down on ourselves and kind of but our focus maybe on on stuff that isn't so important sometimes i think that's kind of a society society thing but just look at the people that seem to be very very happy just try to do that maybe a little bit a little bit of that ask them what's up like hey why <laughs> why are you so why are you so happy what are you doing <laughs> yeah i mean it's okay to do that i mean they're, they're pretty happy they're pretty, pretty cool with sharing it yeah so because that seems to be what makes me pretty happy sharing
0: I think people want really do want to help because anytime there's, you know, a disaster to some degree, any degree, you know, communities come together or your circle of friends come together or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you know, just um, there's healing and community and inspiration and just help each other out. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Any, any last words? No, this has been fun. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. So... Uh, Thank you for listening to Positively Midwest. Um, I think this is episode 8, like I said in the beginning. I think that's right. So, anyways, um, we'll drop new episodes Wednesdays, 7.30 in the morning. We're on most all major platforms, except for iTunes, but I promise we'll get that figured out. I've said 8 times now. Um, So, anyways, check out the website, PositivelyMidwest.com. You can yell at your Google, um, your Amazon They'll all play it for you, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that fun stuff. So Siri won't, right? I mean, maybe if it, you use it through your app, like TuneIn Radio or iHeartRadio, because we're on those. So I think if you said, yo, Siri, do this, play this podcast, it will maybe do it, but through an app. That makes sense? Yeah. That's what my Google Home does anyway, is it'll say, playing now through TuneIn Radio. So I think that's a <laughs> If I had one of those, that's what it sound like so all right well thanks everybody for listening and uh, stay tuned subscribe share it screenshot it do all that fun stuff let all your friends know jump on the Facebook group page there's also a regular like page positively midwest and remember to stay positive
1: there be the, peace I need, the peace I need to keep these souls flowing